in your fantasy. Dream about me and all that you can do with your emotion, which I hope you have during this podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Corey. And this week we will be discussing uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's 2015 studio album, Emotion. This is my final of my four picks that I made for my birthday month, even though it's February now. We we did take a week off, but because we're working hard and we have things that happen, but we're still going to get my picks in. And uh, this was a not not the first thing I thought I'd be doing. I was kind of reminded of how much I enjoyed this album because I recently read a Stereo Gum article all about Call Me Maybe, which this is not on this album, but um, it did get into her backstory and talked about how great this album is. And I thought, yes, it is. Let's do it on the show. I wasn't even thinking of it because it had been a while. Again, these were some ones I hadn't dived into in a while. So uh, I'm excited to do it. It's a cult following album, not as mainstream quite as some of our other uh, topics, but... I can see why it's a cult following album, like with the Swedish producers and the not getting too far ahead, just the way the way it's laid down, but it's rightfully so that it has a following, you know. There's some cool yeah. stuff going on here. Yeah, that there definitely is, and uh, if you don't know a lot about Carly Rae Jepsen, you probably just know her as the girl who did "Call Me Maybe." That song was everywhere. Uh, Before that, she was a contestant on Canadian Idol, which is a singing show in the Idol franchise. But there it looks like she was very much a folk pop singer-songwriter type. And the first album she released was in that vein. And it didn't really gain any traction whatsoever outside of Canada. And Canadian Idol was not as big of a deal as American Idol. Uh... I mean, Carly Rae's probably the most well-known alum from Canadian Idol, and she didn't even win. She came in third place. She has a really cool voice. It's yeah, pretty, it's, a, it's pretty unique. It it is a unique voice, and um, it, it's interesting because she really, after all of that, she went the pop route, did the "Call Me Baby," and the song it was ubiquitous. Every people loved it or hated it. That was kind of what it the deal was i loved it i thought it deserved all of its success but it was just i think it was an easy thing for people to dunk on i'd even hear some people say i ironically like the song and i felt like just say you like the song it's an earwig song that was easy to hate on because it had this is my opinion it was easy to hate on and to mess with because it has such a very I won't say vanilla, but it has a very easy and repeatable hook. Uh, it's a very simple hook. And for me, it relates immediately to like a young girl mindset. So it's easy to geek on. But it, I don't care who you are. You know, you've heard that song and you could probably at least hum it or whistle it because it is a quick earwig. It is one that that definitely sticks no matter what (laughs) yeah but the wildest thing about this all is though it was like a teenage song carly ray jepson was 27 when she released it wow (laughs) even though it was like promoted by people like justin bieber and selena gomez she was 
quite a bit older than them. <laughs> um, I, I mean, she actually briefly was with Bieber's management, Scooter Braun, and they tried to make her a thing. Like, I remember hearing a couple of the of her singles on the radio. She even had a song <laughs> with Al City that saved them both from one hit wonder status. Good time. It, not as well remembered today, but it gave them both a top 10 hit besides their number ones. So it counts for something. There you go. It's wild to see. I was blown away to see her age at this point. Um, and then because of that song, because of exactly what we're talking about. But it, it was also cool to see that she's just in L.A. collaborating and doing her thing, you know, just an artist on the grind, which is cool. I think that actually shows on this album, too. Yeah, so when we come to this album, after the Kiss album, which had Call Me Maybe, it was kind of a mixed blessing. It had this gargantuan hit and nothing that even came close to its success. So it, she was kind of seen as, like, we tried to push her. She flopped in the eyes of many. It was like, you're one-hit wonder, and... You're not going to be Katy Perry. We're, we're moving on from you. And she didn't even find the process of doing the album very creatively fulfilling. It was on a rush timetable of two months. And it just wasn't quite the sound that she wanted to do. And she started continuing to go in that direction because that's what she was doing. But in 2013... She decided to change her direction after going to a Cindy Lauper concert. She felt like I need to do something inspired by the 80s because that's what had the best pop music, where it was just lay it all out there and raw and real, even though it was pop. And end of the year, Carly Rae is cast in the uh, Broadway production of Cinderella. And hmm. Yeah, and I remember this, actually, because when I was in high school back in my theater kid days, I the one of my teacher teachers made a snarky comment about her being in the show. Like, oh, I I, I want to go see Cinderella on Broadway, but not with Carly Rae. And my mm -hmm. snobbiest classmate, who was just the worst, had to say, yes, I agree. And I, I kind of wanted to, to defend Carly Rae. I thought, come on, man. Like, haters gonna hate. But yeah, it doesn't even matter because my my classmate. We're not talking about her album on turntables and see. No, we're talking about Carly Rae Jepsen's. Because whole time she wasn't doing the show, she was writing songs for this album and getting influenced by Prince and Madonna and how they just were full emotion and. Uh, she even I'm, also wrote an indie folk record, but she said the two left of center. We can't do that. <laughs> it it all tracks. I mean, you listen to this album, it tracks hardcore. Uh, in my opinion, it could even be touted as a uh, as a concept album of sorts if you really, you know, get yeah. loose with the interpretation there. But you can definitely see the inspiration from all the artists that you've talked about so far and how much that makes sense when you listen to what she actually put down on this album. Oh, most definitely. And she did collaborate with some big pop players, but she also 
collaborated with some folks with indie creds. So it, because uh, she was inspired by both of those ideas. She was had a lot going on. She wrote over 200 songs during the process of making this album. Like she just was really full speed ahead wanting to do it. And she worked on the recording for a year. It was going to be called Eternal Summer. But her A&R guy said, no, you should said, no, you should call it emotion. And she said, you're right, I should. It was uh, stylized as though we're pronouncing the word emotion. But that was it. And uh, she was with the label. It did get a push as, okay, she's coming back. This is the follow-up. And there was a single released in April. And the album was released in Japan in June of 2015, but it didn't arrive in North America until August and Europe until September. And that's my first, I'm sorry to cut you off. That's my first big question here is what is the play there as far as a Japanese release early? Is it just to test the market or is this huge on the charts there? Like what will this Uh, overperform? I, I don't know what their reasoning was for it. And uh, it was not a smart move in the internet age. Because okay. obviously, someone in Japan hears it. Oh, they're going to leak it. And so oh, true. everybody had access to this before it was officially released. And that just didn't help with album sales at all. It did reach the top 10 in Japan and was certified. It was certified gold there, but the only other country it made it into the top 10 was Canada. And that's her home country. Um, In the U S it debuted and peaked at number 16, over 16,000 units sold. That was a come down from kiss, which was a top 10 album. So it was pretty quickly seen as, okay, it's over. She's a flop. But the reviews were really strong. And those who heard the album really connected with it. It gained this cult following for her, especially amongst LGBTQ listeners. Uh, They really connected with it. And Since then, she's not really an indie pop artist in the truest sense, but she wasn't the first person to have gone from being more mainstream to a bit more underground, at least in terms of popularity. But nobody who had had as big of a hit as her had done it before. But she did do it, and she's been riding that for a while. She's become a niche artist, and... She's a successful one. She can still play a pretty decently sized venue. And she put out an album a few months ago. She's been very productive and has really devoted fans. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, there's club bangers all over this, you know. So I think about not hearing this in rotation when it was released at all. I, I can't find any of these songs in my memory as far as hearing them on the radio, but I gotta imagine that at the very least these are hitting the clubs, or at least the Swedish clubs, or, you know, yeah. like the the house clubs, because yeah. they hit. And the one advantage of the internet is a lot of people can hear these songs without them being played on the radio. 
Yeah. So, and that has happened with a couple of these for sure. A lot of people have been able to access this, even if they didn't buy it, even if it wasn't around. I did hear a couple of the songs. I'll discuss them when we get there. Heard. Um, I didn't listen to the whole album uh, when it came out. I just heard the singles, but like, okay, that's cool. Moved on. It was a transitional time for me. Freshman year of college. I had I had some other things to worry about than the newest Carly Rae Jepsen album. I didn't listen to the whole thing until 2019 because I listened to her album that year, Dedicated, and but oh, I should probably actually listen to Emotion. And I had more time to listen to new music because I wasn't in college anymore. I was just working and... When I wasn't, I was listening to music and podcasts. So, and I got it. I understood what it was. And it then got a lot of, ended up on a lot of decade end lists of best albums. And uh, I can definitely see it. That's why it's one of my picks. So with that being said, I'm ready to dive into all of these songs. Let's do it. Yeah. Before we move on. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it, whether that be uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and now YouTube. We're on all of them. And also follow us on social media. You can do that at the links in our show notes below. So the album begins with Run Away With Me. This was produced by Matt Mann and Robin and Shellback, both um, producers who had had association with the king of Swedish pop, Max Martin. Uh, This is extremely 80s influence. It's centered on a distorted and reverbed sax solo. And it's a really high emotion love song. Like, just run away with me. It's pretty ebullient is a good word for this song. It's very happy and pleasant to listen to. Seem to have hit written all over it. Uh, j- just too catchy to fail, especially in the era of Taylor Swift's 1989. Yes, an 80s influence pop song could be a hit. Didn't happen. This was the second single, and uh, it was one of the most uh, critically acclaimed songs that wasn't a hit or nominated for a Grammy. Or any of that. Uh, It charted in Canada and some European countries. Didn't really do much in the U.S. But it's endured in its own way. It, it, regardless of what it did on the charts, as far as what it does for this album, is gives such a great starting note. Um, We get immediately, like my first note is 80 sort of beat. And that's before I went in to look, uh, you know, and dive in and learn about the album. But you get 80s right off the gate. Uh, You get her right off the gate. You get this Swedish house sort of vibe right off the gate as well. And it's a super upbeat, happy start. Um, I, I love the way that we're already doing these hardcore 80s throwbacks here, even with the, the breakdown at 314 um it really it really sounds like an album that's inspired by that and i like it um it's, uh, this ha- i keep saying it but this this song hits like a house song to me and i think it's a perfect way to start an album 
It is. It really is. And this isn't a hot tea take. People have thought this forever. This should have kicked off the album cycle. It should have been the lead single. Agreed. And that was a big mistake on the parts of the record company. It just was. It was a huge missed opportunity. It was the second single, but by that point, the gas was running out on this album cycle. Not a lot of effort was put into it. I did hear this song once in 2015 on TV, and I thought, oh, this song is amazing. I immediately downloaded it because I thought, this is a fantastic song. Yeah. And But it has endured, and it, as of now, has over 160 million streams on Spotify. So there you go. It's a well-deserved and beloved song. And it's it's one that's timeless. It had a retro sound for 2015. It still has that, but that creates something that's evergreen and that we can continue to listen to for years to come. So what a beautiful song. And how do we follow that up though? <laughs> That's the question. Well, we will with our title track, Emotion. This was produced by CJ Barron and Romans. Um, I mean, I think this is, it's a very good title track for the album. Like, all that we can do with this emotion. It's not quite as maximalist, balls to the wall, as Run Away With Me. And it's a bit lyrically vague, but it's okay because that's the concept. It's kind of like Emotions by Mariah Carey. Like, you've got me feeling emotions. It's going in that... It, it's going off of that idea, but I think it works here. It still has a really sticky chorus, stuck in my head all the time, hard on your sleeve, danceable. Uh, it was the song that really signified the direction she wanted to go, and I can see why. Was this the lead single? No. Jeez, it was. It was not a single. Which... I, don't, <laughs> I don't know who's in charge over there, but they're messing up. Um, this one, man, this one gets down. Str so exactly like you said, how do we follow this up? And And when I heard the first track, Run Away With Me, I was like, Oh, man, this is a big start. This is a very high bar to be starting the album on. And we get to the second track, and we get this stripped down and right in front of your face vocals, and it works. I love it. I have pop gold with an exclamation mark in my notes because I dig the way this song is put together. I dig this, this song so much. Um, it's upbeat enough to keep the album going, and I love that. And you, we still, like you said, we still have this 80s vibe here. I love that you I have fantasy with an exclamation mark in my notes because when she gets into that part talking about the fantasy, it reminded me of Mariah Carey and I didn't even put together the emotion um, link up there, which is great. But this, this really is, this is pop gold. This is, how the heck is this not on everybody's playlist kind of thing? It's starting to be a a theme here for me inside this album, even as early on as track one and two is like, why doesn't everybody know about this? Because it's really that well uh, or done that well. So, yeah, number two emotion. I'm I'm 100 percent with it. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. We are 
on a we're we're getting we're off to a very strong start and we gotta just keep this going and i i think we do with our third track which is i really like you this was produced by peter svensson of the band the cardigans best known for their hit love fool she worked in sweden for a month with um him and matt man and robin and uh, Rami Yacoub, who we'll talk about later when his song comes up. And, uh, yeah, it's a song about really liking somebody, but not quite loving them. That was how Carly Rae described it. It's very much a full 80s dance song, I feel like, is definitely what they're going for. This was the lead single. I mean, I guess I could see that. I I do and I don't because there were obviously the previous two songs would have been better choices for the lead single. And it did get some rotation. Like people knew the song and it did hit the top 40. It only made it the 39. Made it all the way to number three in the UK. But I think it was definitely helped by the fact that it had a video with Tom Hanks in it. That definitely is going to get you some YouTube views. My guess as to why this was chosen was probably it's the closest to Call Me Maybe lyrically in terms of that carefree kind of vibe. Though it doesn't really sound like Call Me Maybe at all. I I wouldn't say it shouldn't have been a single, but it should not have been the lead single. It's still a very fun, catchy song. And but that's par for the course for this album as we've seen already it is par for the course it's it's tough i'm with you on the single i think maybe they picked it and and i don't know if i'm reaching or not but i really got super 80s vibes in here and if they were trying to push like other 80s uh thought processes in here as far as as the listeners linking up with it i guess i can see it i I love the song. I love her voice here. This is the first time on this album where I get a little bit closer glimpse of, of her true voice. Um, and it really comes in these spoken, almost spoken, sort of just lightly sung parts throughout. But they really push and rock with the narrative. They remind me of 80s love songs because she switches to almost this whisper when she's talking to the other person. Uh, you know, uh, telling them that uh, throughout this narrative and it really pushes the composition. Maybe that's why, because that reminds me of old 80s love songs and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, it's definitely not the lead single. It's it's a jam of a song. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm saying in the same breath, it shouldn't be the lead single and then how much I like it. But just <laughs> as we go through this album, you'll understand why because there's so many more powerful songs on here that, that really get down uh, yeah. good song. It, it hasn't taken away from the album. It oh, hasn't no. taken away from, from the, the pace it's, it's still on par. This, this album is still yeah. crushing so far. So yeah. I won't take that away from it. And it still should have been a bigger hit than it was in the U S that too. Um, but speaking of U S hits, we're back to those, guys who've made some hits for us even though they're not the songs on the album matt man on this album matt man and robin uh with track four gimme love i mean it's a pretty self-explanatory song she's just in full pining mode here 
very much a kind of darker 80s thing. I think it has a bit of like a Depeche Mode kind of undercurrent in its sound. Vaguely, not all yeah. the way, but a little bit. It's not as good as Runaway with me. It's still a very good pop song. Uh, and it had a following. The tour for this album was actually named after this song. And it, it's just that Swedish touch for pop music that works so well. I mean, they just have, that's part of their culture, uh, is pop. They, they've got it. Got the pop. Yeah, this one ends up, it's wild that you said that. I'm happy that you said that, but this one ends up for me like a little sister to run away with me, where it's almost up there on the same level. It's still a great song. I like the beat here. This beat pushes me to dance, but that's what we're talking about, this Swedish touch. It's it's this automatic dance feeling, for me at least, uh, when it's inside of a well-produced pop song. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just it's just a little bit less than Run Away With Me. So I have mixed emotions about it because I won't say it's a throwaway at any point no. or, or not even near, um, but that close to Run Away With Me my mind as a listener on a full album run has not gone away from that enough that it almost feels like it's coming back to repeat itself a little bit too early for me. That's I'm nitpicking at this point because it's still a great pacing and it works, but my listening ear hasn't lost run away with me yet at, as far as through the album. So this one doesn't hit as hard. And also, it is a much better song than that man and Robin's biggest U.S. hit, Cake by the Ocean. Just okay. saying. That's a terrible fucking song. I don't know how, why that was so popular. Uh, I would say hot tea take on that, because i that's one of my guilty favorites. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> no. Give me a little guilty pleasure cake by the ocean. I'm always down with that. I, I see that on a regular basis. I, I hate it. Oh, <laughs> it, it is not all that, which is the name of our next song. Um, <laughs> so this was written with Ariel Reich. Rechtscheid. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'm sorry if I did butcher language. Uh, he did a lot. Uh, he produced for um his most well known song that he produced is "Hey There Delilah" by the Plain White Tees. Oh, and uh, the other producer is Dev Hines, also known as Blood Orange, an artist in his own right with several albums. She wanted to work with Blood Orange after hearing the song that he did initially for Solange, Beyonce's little sister, and she sought out his albums, and uh, uh, he agreed to work with her. He thought she genuinely wanted to do something new instead of just working with Pitchfork-approved artists. Heard. So... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad that he recognized that. Uh, this definitely, uh, I, I, 
absolutely think that she was inspired by Taylor Swift with putting this as the track five big emotional statement of the album. Because that's what this is. She even said, this is the song most representative of what I want to do with this album. And, uh, I mean, it's a synth power ballad. Like, tell me if you want me, if I'm all that, I will be there, I will be your friend. It's rightly singled out as a highlight of the album. It really hits you. And it's a good, uh, more reflective track after four straight up dance songs where where this is a slow dance song and i think it's a good place in the album for it what i will say is in terms of this kind of slower indie pop somewhat darker vibe i think they hit the mark perfectly here i don't think they were able to quite recapture this again on the album that's getting ahead of myself but not quite again. As far as the here. the darker vibe, yeah, this one did it perfectly. Not sure everything else did. Yeah, it, this is definitely uh, in pacing. This is definitely what the album needed. Um, in just a full narrative, it really rocks. I I I enjoy it. it even slowed down with some almost like an 80s style i have funkiness in my notes but that was just like where my my fingers were going quick it's it's almost it's that echoed bass drum that we're used to from slower songs in the 80s there's just a beautiful vibe here i'm with you it it does hit the mark it hits the mark very well i don't know if i will agree with you as we go through the album as far as um it doesn't hit there again for the dark things without too many spoilers right now but it does its job here it's a it's a cool song it is it's that slow dance song here and at five it it works well it works well yes it does but i can see the link with the uh the taylor it definitely is a heart (laughs) on your sleeve track that that she's known for on the five yes but well this album's called emotion it's all hard on your sleeve but We're gonna we're gonna pick up the pace again with track six, which is "Boy Problems." Uh, this song was co-written with Sia, along with Tavish Crow and Greg Kirsten, who was the producer of it. It, it asks that age-old question: "Boy Problems, who's got them?" <laughs> uh, this song is just a full vibe for me. Just from the beginning, just the spoken word of just leave or stay, but I'm done hearing about it. (laughs) And then she just goes on about like, so tired of hearing all your boy problems, but boy, I've got them too. It's, (laughs) it's very all over the place, like in that sense, but it's, it's very real. And it is full of motion, but it also acknowledges the triviality of these boy problems. And I like that we have all of that in one song. And it'll be stuck in your head for days. If any song here helped her with having a gay following, it was definitely this one. I I say that as a... Uh, as a gay. <laughs> I say that this is a... 
banger. Yeah, this one jams. Uh, it definitely it starts off with, like you said, that little spoken word thing, which reminds me immediately of like old school 80s automatically. But it like goes into Madonna. You got a little shaker behind it just going off and you're like, wow, OK, this is going to be a straight 80s. And I think the thing that I love the most about this is it sets off and flows almost like a late 70s funk. Um it it wasn't even it hadn't even come to pass at at the release of this album but it reminds me of maybe some later daft punk or some um silk uh jesus or some silk sonic vibes like some real funky uh get down vibes and i enjoy that um <laughs> this song never stops like from the front to the back it really you say banger we say banger all the time but it this is a really well put together song i was looking for when sia would pop up on this album uh where her collaboration was and i was very very happy to find out that it was this song this this one just it blows me away this is up there for top song for me right now i'm not giving it away just the way it's it's composed throughout but this is a really awesome so we come out of this slow five and we go right back into this full-on 80s I, the triviality of the boys the boy problems here i love that you said that that, that they don't take it too too hard or, or you know they, they don't look into it too much and it's really really spun around on the composition too where it's this real just light composition, this light rocking, funky jam. I, I can't, I can't get enough of it. After that slow, you put, you pull the album right back up, and I really enjoy it. Yes, and it is funky. I, I thought more thinking eighties. I thought more of like a chic Nile Rodgers kind of vibe. Most definitely, most definitely Nile Rodgers yeah. right there. Yeah, and uh, this song, a video was made for the song, but it was not a single. Uh, I definitely um, TikTok do your thing and make boy problems go viral. That's all I'm gonna say. There you go. That's all I'm gonna say. But you mentioned this being Sia's collaboration. Well, while they collaborated, Sia had a song to give Carly, and that was our track seven, making the most of the night. Sia wrote this with the Haim sisters, who are a group of their own. We might end up talking about them one day here. Who knows? But I can't predict everything. And it was produced by Samuel Dixon, who has worked quite a bit with Sia. I think this song is a bit repetitive in comparison to other songs on the album, but it's still very, very catchy, and you can dance to it for sure. And I'm glad Sia gave her this song. I can't imagine Sia singing this, at least in this form, or the Haim sisters, for that matter. This is a full-on dance track, and she sells the song, even though it wasn't written by Carly. It's the only one here not, but it doesn't feel out of place, and that's impressive that it was pulled off, but... Do I like it quite as much as the first six songs? No, but I still am very much having a dance party to this album with making the most of the night. 
Yeah, man, this is a nighttime uh, nighttime anthem here. Uh, <laughs> I I'm still on board. I'm still up there on the the height of this album at this point in the number seven. Even though this one sort of it builds sort of slow uh, and it's a little bit slow going to realize itself. It really does realize itself inside the composition. I am super in love at 234. We get this almost slow motion feel inside of the composition that really sings true to this nighttime anthem. And it's brought back in with this beautiful driving heartbeat bass line. Um, I, I dig it, man. Uh, this one, I'm still up there. I haven't faltered off like uh, yet on this album. Um, and we're at track seven. So that's an awesome thing. Yes, we are going strong still, very much so. And I think we're still going strong with track number eight, which is your type. This was produced by Rami Yacoub and Carl Falk, two other big-time Swedish pop producers. Rami co-produced Baby One More Time of all songs, so that automatically makes him a Hall of Famer in terms of pop producers. Uh this is a ballad of unrequited love. Carly said that she wrote it about a guy who she liked who ended up being gay. So, yes, of course she's not the type for him because it just wasn't going to work. Um, with that, it's a bit messy lyrically, but it encapsulates the feeling of the song, so I'm not mad at it. Uh this was the third single, actually. It only charted in Canada. I'm not sure I would have made this a single out of all the songs here on the album. It's not a bad song, but it got quite a few comparisons to Robin's Dancing on My Own, which, I mean, I can hear, but it's it doesn't hit that mark quite. It's a, it's a cool song done by two very professional, experienced producers, and it's a fun 80s ballad, but there are more cohesive songs here. Yeah, it's not a bad song is the tagline for this one here. <laughs> like, that's the starting of my notes. Not a bad song, but for me, this is where, for the first time, I talked a little bit about it in Gimme Love, but that was just because of the Swedish touch being so close. It's not that I was like, oh my gosh, it's getting repetitive. This is the first time in the album where as a listener, I sat back and was like, ah, man, I've heard this almost. Like it, it, I've, it just doesn't, it starts to get super repetitive in my brain as far as, as the beats go. It's, it's cool, but it just doesn't shine as much as the rest of the album. And for me, it's a lot of that repetitiveness. Yeah, I, I'm glad we're kind of on the same page with that one. But a lot of people really love this song. So guess it's a bit of a hot tea take, depending on who's listening. I, I don't know. And I, I, I'm starting to build a conspiracy theory that the person that is behind releasing the singles for this album is out to not have this album <laughs> succeed because oh, probably this, i hope they were fired actually this, like cause... how can you pick this as the number three when you have so many more choices uh, even yeah. if you wanted to go with something that was a little bit softer like there's way more stuff on this album uh, it's, all it's... that is right there <laughs> yeah. and we chose this really yeah. it's crazy uh 
But okay, but anyway, we're we're gonna kind of continue with the somewhat moodier vibe a bit, I guess, of that with track number nine. Let's get lost. Track number nine. Let's get lost. <laughs> uh, same production team as the title track. This was the last song recorded for the album. She finished it a day before the deadline. She wasn't sure about including it, but Blood Orange said, "Yes, you have to include it. This is not a maybe." So she ended up including it. Uh, this this is probably a hot tea take. I think this is a bit of a filler track. It it's okay. We just have much more memorable songs that we just got out of, and it just does not stick with me in the same way. It's really that simple. It's fine to listen to, but we're we're on the heels of a lot of pop greatness. This doesn't quite reach that mark for me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you. This is I, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous in my first listen through at this point. Like, oh man, did they blow their load already on this album? I, I mean, it's fine to listen to um, this track, but it's it, way more memorable stuff. Way more memorable stuff. I... Uh, I'm surprised at this point that this wasn't put out for a single <laughs> the way yeah. they're going, but it's just, it's not there for me for if I have to, and it's very tough on this album, but if I have to, this is my gun to the head, least favorite on the album. I mean, of the standard edition, I'll say it's my least yeah, favorite. Yeah. I'm sorry. Of the first 12. Of the standard the edition. Yeah. Definitely yeah. of the first 12. Let's be clear about that. Um, But it, it's okay. We're got. We still have more to go, and uh, we're now on the track ten, which is "L.A. Hallucinations," produced by Stint and Zachary Gray of the duo The Zolas. This is another last-minute addition to the album. It's about her moving to L.A. and having these L.A. hallucinations because it was so wild for her. Because I mean, she wasn't even from. The, she's not from the U.S. She's from Canada, so it was probably even more of a culture shock for her to go to L.A. And that's a really smart thing to write a song about. I do think this is a cool song. I, uh, I think, okay, maybe a bit of a hot tea take. The title's the coolest thing about the song. Still a very neat song and concept. It is quite catchy. I do think just theme-wise, it's a bit out of place amidst all the love songs. If we're going to have a, concept album like if you're we're gonna go with that theory but i still think it's a neat track yeah i'm I'm glad we're we're on the same page here because it's pretty straightforward nice track you know the narrative is is there i think the title la hallucinations maybe i'm speaking just for me but it sets me up to look for a little bit something more you know when i see la hallucinations i'm like oh okay let's see where you where you take this and and run with it it's a little bit muddied inside of trying to figure that out in in, in this track for me uh it doesn't get to where i think the title should take it <laughs> as crazy as that sounds um it's it's a neat narrative it, but it doesn't reach the heights that i think it should yeah. that being said it's turning the album back around you know we're we're talking really about deep diving into this track but as far as the album goes 
it works as a banger like it gets the album back on its feet and moving in the right direction i feel oh i completely agree and uh we're gonna keep it going this kind of uh somewhat artsier vibe i guess with the next song which is warm blood this was produced by rostam of the band vampire weekend he produced all their stuff and he wanted to work with her, which excited her. So indie cred artists going to her. That's pretty cool. Um, the song originally was Warm Love, Feels Good was the hook. But Rostam heard it as Warm Blood. And the song was reworked because of that. The song itself dates back to 2011, it sounds like. Uh, again, I think this is kind of a neat song, but I'm not surprised that it's from an earlier era. Um, I'm not. I, I think they did some very cool stuff with it sonically, but I think it's sometimes we have, I feel like sometimes the sonic tricks are done on a song that needs it. And I think this is an example of that. Like, it's cool, but is it a runaway with me or even a gimme love no, so we got to do some experimental stuff with it. And honestly, this is just the point. I feel like this kind of different thing, this experimentation isn't, it's falling a bit flat for me. And after a few of those songs in a row, I'm not quite sure I need that. I kind of want to go back to the more pure pop that we were getting earlier. It definitely is a different piece. Um, it's not the pure pop. It, I don't want to say it's out of place because I like it so much. But I like it more so for its originality as a track. It's a really dark piece. Um, it's, it's an odd composition. And I think the just sheer out there-ness of this song inside of what we've been listening to, I felt that it was a bright tone, especially for a penultimate on the original, uh, on the original pressing. I thought it was a really, really cool place to put it. I think it's a really cool song. It ends in a fade out, which if you're a first time listener for me, that is almost always a no, no, but it has a really wild way of handling it where the track fades but she still stays in the forefront on her vocal. And I dig that. Um, yeah, I give this piece an A plus for originality. It definitely is a, uh, is a wild veer off of what we've been listening to on this album, but I dig this one um, in, in a musical way. <laughs> yeah. it, it's definitely a shift, but to close the standard edition that we are going to uh, go back around to something closer to what we were getting, which is When I Needed You. This is once again produced by Ariel. I'm not going to try pronouncing his last name again, but um, the same, same guy who helped produce all that. And he produced it with Daniel Nigro, who is now Olivia Rodrigo's producer. So early track for him. This is much more of the 80s-influenced ballad-type track that we were expecting along the lines of... I think the song it's probably closest to on the album is Your Type. 
Um, but I think that's an appropriate closing track. I like the synth lines on this one a lot. And it it encapsulates what this album's about very well. I think it's a strong closer. Encapsulation, 100%. I'm right with you there. It, it's a great ender here for me because you feel the whole album inside of the composition. Um, it's another love anthem and it's riding high on top of this nonstop production, but we get this funky bass. We get these 80 tone, these eighties tones. We even get these haze in the background that for me yes. scream out to this eighties type of, of jam. Um, we get a breakdown with a dreamy feel. We get all of it. We get all of the album here on this ending track. And I, it's, it's a super fitting ender. It works entirely too well <laughs> um and it, it blows me away it blows me away the production on this album period so far is is gem i mean it, hopefully they won something for production because it is amazing i don't think they did <laughs> golly they there's somebody in in the in the machine somewhere is against this album because yep. there's so much glorious stuff going on here it's mind-blowing whole album That's yeah no, it's a cold album well, good for the cult because they figured it out before everybody else. That's real. It's 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 mind blowing how awesome this is set up. Yes, but like we said, that's just the ender of the standard edition. There are deluxe tracks, and I think they're important to talk about. So we're going to talk about that because it this album does not feel complete without at least two of them, if you ask me. And one of those is. Track number 13, which is Black Heart. This was produced by Greg Wells, very long time vet since the late 90s of the pop music industry. I really love this song. It's got a real glitchy techno kind of beat, which is more 90s than 80s. And in that sense, I can see why it was left off the standard edition, but it totally should be on the standard edition. I'm really not happy that this is just a bonus track. This is such a cool song. It was inspired by an ex who she said had a black heart, but that darkness is was, was part of the attraction. Like, in your black heart is where you'll find me. I, <laughs> I love it. Like, it's true. Sometimes that is a part of somebody's appeal, is that a bit of darkness. And... I mean, everything here is very, like, pining and not lyrically dark, I will say. This is a little bit, but I think it works really well. I love this song. Yeah, it's it's a jammer, man. It really is. I, I like the glitchy jam behind it. I'm with you. There's more 90s here than there is 80s, and that's the only reason I can figure that they, they pushed it to the, uh, to the deluxe tracks. I... That would be the only reason it doesn't fit into the album because it's a it really is from front to back just a nonstop jammer. Um, out of the, I won't even say that it's 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 an earwig and and it really hits. I the first time I listened to it, I I thought I felt like some mid like midlife Madonna vibes here, but on further listens. Now, I, I have to disagree with my original notes there, but it jams. It really does. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, 
we're we're going to keep the 90s vibe going a bit um, with our next song, which is I Didn't Just Come Here to Dance. This song probably dates back to 2011, and she presented it to Max Martin in 2012 during their session for um, Tonight I'm Getting Over You, which was a single off of Kiss featuring Nicki Minaj. See what I mean? They were trying to make her a, a big yep. deal, Carly Rae, though. Well, now, honestly, I think we'd rather be in Carly's position than Nicki Minaj because Nicki has lost her shit on Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, with this Megan the Stallion beef, she's really lost it and is probably on drugs. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about Carly Rae Jepsen. But that song is relevant because it's produced by the same guy, Lucas Lowell's, who... um. It, he co-wrote he helped co-write that song uh this he he co-wrote that song and is producing this song along with walter jensen of the dutch electronic duo Showtech. but max martin was impressed enough by this song that his session with her lasted an additional two hours and that's a very high stamp of approval and i completely agree this is very much a 90s house influence track and again that's the only reason i can really think of why it's not on the standard edition it was written at a different time and has a different feel that being said it's a killer track period i think it should have been on the standard edition just because it is such a good house dance song it really, I think this should have been on the latter half of the album. I think it would have been a very good energy boost. And it's a special song to me. I really dig it. it it's a great song. Like, it, I mean, but it's definitely 90s clubhouse. Like, it is for me it it is i'm i'm not taking anything away from the song it is 100% a banger like this is you could play it at any time everybody's getting up and getting down but as far as putting it inside this album i think it would have been too much of a a veer off more so than warm blood um in its in in the way that it felt it's crazy to say this hot tea take that's too bright for this album that's in, in its sensibilities you know like we would have heard it inside of this and been like would almost been like a culture shock or <laughs> you know like what the heck even though it's the bangiest of bangers <laughs> you can't deny it it's cool that they gave it to us on the, on the deluxe i'm glad that this didn't hit the cutting room floor somewhere oh so um, am i and yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely worth listening to if it goes back to the kiss album i'm wondering why didn't they put it on there this should have been a single now i'm with you there it, if you, if you had this back so. then this should have been put on there and it wasn't but well that's not the only questionable choice ever made as we've seen in terms of the handling of Carly Rae's career. I yeah. don't know whose decision that was, but it was not a bright one. Because <laughs> this would have been a hit after Call Me Maybe. This this had the potential. I think it could have been. Agreed. But it, it it neither here nor there. If you know it, you're very lucky too. <laughs> and if you don't know it, go listen to it. But uh, now the standard deluxe edition uh ends with a song called favorite color this is a 
love song produced by Matt Mann and Robin. Definitely the most sedate of their contributions to this album. I mean, it's a sweet song. I think it's perfectly pleasant to listen to. It's definitely not, it's definitely a bonus track. It's not a highlight. It It's cute, but it does not have a great big hook like the best songs here do, or even the previous two. This is where it belongs. And, well, it kind of like I didn't just come here to dance. There were some songs there was one in particular song written during this era that ended up being on a movie soundtrack instead of this album. Would have been too joyful for the album, but it, it's cut to the feeling is the name of the song, and it's pretty undeniable, and it's just mind-blowing to think we thought favorite color was more worthy of the album than cut to the feeling. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely my least favorite out of the... the um matt man and robin joints it, it it definitely i'm not a big fan of the her singing as a robot early on uh it's perfectly fine to listen to it's soft it's not like it's it, it's a bonus track you're right it's a hundred percent a bonus track it's yes. cool to see but just a bonus yeah but and for five years that was where it all ended well for for most people <laughs> um because there were two Target and Japan-only bonus tracks, which are Never Get to Hold You and Love Again. We, I don't really have a ton to say about them. If I were to pick a least favorite out of the whole album, it would be Never Get to Hold, hold You, because it's <laughs> such a, it's just a pretty forgettable song. Um, and this is not a forgettable album. Love Again is a better track. It has a bit more of a beat to it, but... I mean, again, it's a bonus track. And also, Dua Lipa has a much better song called Love Again. And so that just puts this in the dust. Sorry, Carly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same on those. Ne Never Get to Hold You is not my favorite track of all time. I'll just say that right there. Uh, Love yeah. Again's okay, but nothing, nothing much to say there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it, and there we have it. That was our journey into all this emotion. Um, I, I'm I'm glad you seemed to enjoy this. I wasn't quite sure how this would go because I knew you didn't know any of this. You weren't quite sure. I wasn't quite sure. I yeah. was I was very nervous that I was going into Call Me Maybe Land, and I was pleasantly surprised. That's an understatement. Pleasantly surprised as to what I got on this album. I've already touted the the production value, but just from front to back, it's it's a fully realized album, and I I dig what she's done here. Grade, yeah, I guess I should grade it right after that. I'm gonna yeah. give it a B. I almost gave it a B plus. It's getting up there. Um, maybe some more listens, it might make a B plus. But I really love what's going on, uh, and it, I'm I can see why it has such an awesome cult following. Yeah, th this, I'm going to give it a B plus. That's my definitive ranking. Really one of the best pop albums of the 2010s, easily. Um, and uh, it it's one of the only pop albums, it seems like, to be okay to like if you're an alternative indie person. Um, 
I mean, I, I was once actually, no, I was added to a Facebook group once called High Art Music Posting. And this was one of the only albums in that group that I liked that everybody else did. Because I, I left the group because I got laughed at for saying I liked Mariah Carey's Caution album. So it was not the place for me. <laughs> I mean, any, uh, any group that says high art automatically, you know. Is a is a red flag for me. I almost said a black flag, but it's a red flag for me. Oh, definitely. Uh, oh. I, I just wanted a community, I guess, but I was looking in the wrong place. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, old yeah. old times on the other net. I still have emotion though, and that is what matters. And uh, I now want to know your favorite song out of all these. I, I'll be honest when I say it's tough. Um, I got a really, really, really great spot in my heart for warm blood, but I'm going to go with, oh man, it's so tough. It's so tough. It's so tough. Nope. I'm going to stick. Warm blood is my jammy on this. I really enjoy the way this track was put together. I I know that doesn't say much for the rest of the album because it's outside of the rest of the album, but I really love the way that's put together. Yeah, mine's a bit more representative, fortunately. Uh, my my favorite song on the album is "Boy Problems." That that was where it was between those two. I'm not gonna lie, um, but I, "Warm Blood" just gives me that outside look. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Oh, one day just to hear. I would love to hear "Boy Problems" live and just go off in the crowd one day. Hell yeah! Hell one yeah. day, but. There we have it, uh, a, a cult indie pop deal we've got going on, even though it's not really indie pop, it's pop pop <laughs> from Sweden. <laughs> you you used the word last week, poptimist. Uh, that's what was, this is. This is pure, most definitely, most that's, definitely. This is very much of that aesthetic, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, you, you hit it on the head with that one. It really is. Yes, and we, we hope you enjoyed this too. But now, oh boy, it's time to announce our next album. And we, last year, we uh, we did an episode on one of the albums nominated for Grammy of the Year. Didn't know if it would win yet. It didn't end up winning. And we're, we're going into that again this year. The difference is we already did a couple of the albums nominated. So it made choosing a bit harder, but... We both made a decision and were intrigued by something simply titled The Record by a super group called Boy Genius. A bit of a Lilith Fair kind of vibe we were getting from it. And I saw one of these ladies, Phoebe Bridgers, at my Eras Tour date. So I'm very curious to hear this album, especially uh, since one of their competitors is Taylor Swift this year. So, yeah, very curious. Yeah, very new thing for us, but we're very curious to do it, and uh, I, I, I hope it'll be a fulfilling journey for us. Gotta tune in next week to find out. (laughs) Yes, but, but yes, we are going to be doing the record, and you'll get to hear a couple of boy geniuses talk about it. So, what more (laughs) could you want? Um. And it'll be real fun to discuss coming off of the Grammys, because that's always a interesting 
discussion piece, I think, is the Grammys. Whether we agree with their decisions or not, it's always ripe for discussion. So let's get at it, folks. And uh, until then, we will see you all next week or hear you, whatever you want it to be. Take care. Peace.